Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. We're going to pick up this morning. and Actually, we're going to pick up in verse 11 because I skipped that verse last week. I didn't realize it at the time. It went with the, the previous uh, discussion we were looking at where uh, Jesus is in Peter's boat. Uh, Simon, he hasn't been named Peter yet, but he's in Simon's boat with him and, of course, tells him to drop his nets. And it made no sense to, G, uh, to Peter to do that. Uh, we fished all, you know, we fished all night. We've not caught anything and you want us to drop your nets. But you remember what he said? Nevertheless, it was a good nevertheless, nevertheless. At your word, I'll do it. And he followed Jesus' instruction. They brought in a hull that almost sunk two boats, right? Because Peter had to call for his friends to come out. And of course, Jesus is making a statement to these guys. But there in verse 11, let's begin there. He says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I'm sorry I left that out last week. It's a tremendously powerful verse. And it is worth a comment on here this morning to simply say, I hope that as you have heard Jesus' words spoken to you, that you've not only done what he's told you to do in your life, but that you've forsaken all and that you're following him. You're following Jesus, that we've just left it all behind, because I'm going to tell you, later Peter's going to look when Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And what does Peter say? Where else would I go? Where else would I go? You know, once you forsake all for Jesus, there is nowhere else to go but to Jesus and so and to stay with him. But then let's look on this morning in verse 12. He says, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought on, uh, brought on a, med, a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. And as we turn to your word today, I pray that, Lord, you would give us all clarity of mind to receive what it is that you're speaking to us. That you give us ears, Lord, that would be supernaturally empowered to hear the very words you're speaking to us individually, Lord, as your people. Lord, speak a word into our homes and into our hearts today. 
that we could receive what it is you're sharing with us and that we could, as always, Lord, continue to be changed as your word carves into us, carving out that part of us that that no longer should be a part of our lives as your people, Lord, and at the same time replacing it with good and new things, Lord. Lord, help us to put on the new man this morning that we've been commanded to put on and to put off the old in heart and in attitude and in practicality, Lord, as we choose to obey your word. May your the following of your word be our greatest act of worship. Though we have sung this morning, Lord, though we've sung songs, Lord, our greatest worship we know is as we say yes to the things that you ask of us. So help us to do that today as you teach us and lead us in this study. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people prayed. Amen. And it happened, look at verse 12, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Luke now tells us of how, as Jesus is in a certain city where he was apparently preaching, remember he told us that that's what he came, that was what his purpose was, to preach and to teach the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom. A man who's had a terrible case of leprosy, and clearly this is a terrible, all leprosy was terrible. This is clearly a terrible case of leprosy because it tells us in this passage he was full of leprosy, full. In other words, it was consuming him. This man sees Jesus, and and he makes his way to him, and falling on his face in humility before him, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Luke tells us that Jesus responds by telling him that he is willing and then doing the unthinkable. He not just heals this man, but he touches him and heals him. I want you to note some interesting things in this account. They're important to this man. They're important to the context of the story. And they're absolutely important to our lives even now. There are interesting words that this man utters to Jesus. Note them. If you are willing, if you'd like to underline your Bibles, underline that. If you are willing, and then underline where he says, you can. You can. If you are willing, you can. In saying this, he wasn't doubting Jesus' ability to make him clean. It sounds that way. Well, if you're willing, you can't. He's not doubting Jesus' ability to make him clean. But what he's doing is he's questioning possibly doubting, probably not, but possibly doubting Jesus' willingness to do it for him. When I say possibly doubting, probably not, what I mean is not doubting Jesus' ability. You know, he, he, he wasn't likely doing that, but, but, but doubting Jesus' willingness to do it for him? Yeah, I think that may be the case. Now, much, if not all, of this question can be attributed to the implications of leprosy. What what the implications of leprosy were in that day and what was associated, what, what leprosy was associated with in that day. Leprosy was a dread, dreaded disease in that area for a lot of reasons. Number one, 
Physically, it would deform and cons- con- consume a human being. Physically, it would deform and con- 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 consume a human being. Uh, E.W. Masterman described the various forms of progress of this disease. Here's what he wrote. He said, it might begin with little nodules which go on to ulcerate. The ulcers develop the foul discharge. The eyebrows fall out. The eyes become staring. The vocal cords become ulcerated. The voice becomes hoarse and the breath wheezes. The hands and feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of that kind of leprosy is nine years just to get to that stage. And, and it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death, which doesn't necessarily come at the end of the nine years. It goes on, it says, leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some parts of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until the end a whole hand or whole foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy. In other words, the duration of the entire episode of leprosy for that person's until their life ends can last from 20 to 30 years. Think about that. 20 to 30 years. It is a kind of terrible progressive death in which the sufferer dies by inches. The most awful aspect of that disease is that there was no cure. There was absolutely no cure. A person with leprosy would suffer horribly until he or she died. And as as mentioned already, death did not come quickly. So physically, just imagine the toll it would take on the human being. But, But added to that were the emotional impacts, which I'm sort of alluding to here as we talk about no cure or anything else. I mean, the mental anguish was unimaginable, not just from the suffering itself, but even from the social isolation that a person who had this disease would go through. Those who contracted this disease were by law made social outcasts. Josephus, the, the, the Jewish historian, tells us that lepers were treated as if they were dead. They were separated from other people and from a normal way of life. They were forced to live outside the cities and communities made up only of other lepers. (laughs) They had to cover themselves whenever they left these communities, not just for the physical protection of others from the disease, but to hide their repulsive appearance from the rest of normal society. I was laughing there for a moment and relating to it and what we're going through, and it doesn't even come close. I mean, I know we're feeling isolated and separated from our normal way of life, and we're being forced to live outside of our normal communities and just kind of being around others who are made up of lepers just like us, you know, in our homes with our families. And we're covering ourselves too. And in some cases, the coverings on our faces is probably a good thing. I know it is for me. You don't get to see my face when I've got that on. But, you know, I laugh at this because of our circumstances. But what we're going through doesn't even come close to what these people dealt with, with this leprosy. They, they had to cry out when they walked through the city streets, unclean, unclean, so that people knew that they were coming and could get out of the way. They quite literally became the walking dead of society of that day. And add to that, 
Add to that emotional trauma the hopeless nature of that disease. Unlike its modern counterpart, which is known as Hansen's disease today, there was no cure or hope for a cure from this form of leprosy. No hope, that is, outside of divine intervention. But even then, Scripture records divine intervention up to Jesus' day at being sparse at best, as there are really only three recorded healings of leprosy in the Old Covenant era. There's the record in Exodus 4, Moses, but he didn't really have leprosy in the same way. God simply turned his hand leprous. You might remember the account as a, as a witness to Pharaoh of God's power, turns Moses' hand leprous and then restores it again as a witness to Pharaoh. And then there's Miriam, Moses' sister, who after her rebellion against Moses, God turns her leprous, but Moses prays for her and she's restored. Not a normal case of leprosy. And then there's Naaman. Now, Naaman was the more typical case of leprosy, but Naaman was not a Jew. Naaman was an Assyrian general who then God used Elisha to miraculously heal him. Remember, he told him to go down and dip himself in the river, and he didn't want to do that. He thought that was beneath him. And, well, you know, he expected him to do all kinds sorts of, you know, spiritual magic to change him from being a leper. And it was simple. But he did get healed. Naaman gets healed. But there really are no other record, recordings of lepers being miraculously healed in the Old Testament record. So, th so things must have looked pretty bleak and hopeless to, to this leper and to any leper. And then added to this was the spiritual stigma that was associated with leprosy. You see, leprosy throughout the Old Testament was associated with sin. It didn't mean that a leper was necessarily sinful. It didn't mean that a leper necessarily committed a sin. No, I mean in the sense of being in some willful, continuous sin that God was punishing him. But leprosy was simply a picture or a type of sin in the Scriptures. But what happened is that even though a leper himself might not have been a sinful purpose person, that, that leper couldn't escape that stigma associated with leprosy. People began to associate leprosy with sin, and so therefore they associated lepers as being sinful. And facing God's punishment and judgment for their sin was their leprosy. So not only are they, they physically suffering, emotionally suffering, being isolated from people in general just because of the nature of their disease, but on top of that, now they feel spiritually isolated, all of this added up led to a tremendous impact upon these lepers where they not just lost hope, but in many cases they even committed suicide. But now, along comes Jesus. And, and this leprous man, most likely having heard of, of, of what limited miracles Jesus was already beginning to do. Remember, his reputation is growing because of these things. He knows and he's heard that Jesus heals people. This leprous man begins to seek Jesus out, and, 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 he, and he recognizes that Jesus can heal. And yet, here's where I think the rest of that statement comes in, if you are willing. I believe that this man, looking at the baggage associated with his leprosy, this man questions if Jesus really would heal him. 
healing him, an unclean leper? Would Jesus even stoop so low as to heal this unclean leper? Is he even going to give him the time of day? I mean, the Pharisees wouldn't have, the Sadducees wouldn't have, the scribes wouldn't have, the religious of the day wouldn't have. I mean, the common people of the day were staying away from lepers. Why would Jesus be any different? Well, he knew that Jesus could heal. But the question is, with all of this leprous baggage, would he heal him? Folks, I, I want to impress this on you this morning. I, I, there are uh, many people in our world who do not doubt the ability of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about his ability here to heal, heal spiritually, not just physically, but, but spiritually. I, I believe that there are a lot of people in our world who do not doubt the healing ability of Jesus, but they are lepers and they know it. They're lepers and they know it. They, they have things in their lives and in their past that's so vile, so sinfully unclean, that while they might know the power of Jesus to heal, might even believe in the power of Jesus to heal, they question whether or not Jesus would even consider healing them. I say this because I've known people like this. I've known people like this, people who never doubted Jesus' ability to heal and to restore men and women spiritually, but they saw themselves as lepers, untouchables, so vile that they just couldn't perceive Jesus possibly being willing to, to reach down and to touch and to heal this unclean leper. And sadly, that understanding of their lives caused many of them to move on without letting him touch and heal them. They didn't move on because they were rejecting him, but they moved on because they simply could not conceive of him being willing to touch and heal them, knowing how vile their lives had become. You know, I've shared this, and I know I'm, I told you with age comes repetition, but it's, it's so impacting, I can't not share it. I mean, my friend in the army, who today is a believer, was a prime example of this. The better part of the, his life he spent running from the Lord, but not running from him because he didn't believe Jesus was who he, who he said he was, but because he knew his own life, and he just didn't think that Jesus would want to touch him. He was an army guy. He was a, a, a high-ranking sergeant. He was the top-ranking sergeant that you can go in the ranks. He was a sergeant major in the army, top enlisted man. And I served with this man, and, and he did come to Christ. But it was interesting, a year even after he came to Christ, he, he had turned to me one day as we were praying, and he talked about the confidence that I had with the Lord. And I said, well, you have this confidence with the Lord too. And I said, you've accepted him. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I've accepted him, but I just, I don't think he's accepted me. And, and I couldn't fathom that. I'd never heard anybody say that before. I couldn't understand what it was he was driving at. And, and I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean by that? He, he didn't accept you. He says, you, you don't know what I've done. But he knows. He's seen the things I've done. He said, I had three tours in Vietnam. You don't know the things that I did while I was there. You don't know the sinful and vile things and, and, and things that I did while I was there. I, 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 I know what I've done. And I know that Jesus knows what I've done. And though I've accepted him, I just, I don't know that he could have accepted me. And I explained to him that's not how it works. But you see, his, his, his understanding of his own leprosy 
was placing him in that position where he knew Jesus' ability to heal, but, but he in his own heart was asking that question, if you're willing, I know you can, but are you willing is really what he's saying. Would you be willing to touch even me? He couldn't fathom that. Well, praise the Lord. He didn't run away from him at that point. We prayed together and I said, let me pray that that God would give you this assurance and this confidence that he has received you. And we began to pray. And I remember he began to cry. and, And I looked at him and he says, I have blood on my hands. I have blood on my hands. And I said to him, yeah, you do. But the blood you see on your hands now is the blood of Jesus covering the blood that you had on your hands. The blood of Jesus has covered you because he's received you and he's reached down, he's touched you, and he's healed you. And he began to sob like a baby. And it changed his life forever because he realized that Jesus was willing to touch a leper and to heal. Look, I firmly believe that there are people like this all around us today. We see a lot of people around us right now, especially as we're watching society grow darker and darker and act out in more and more sinful ways. And we see these people that we think are so vile, so far gone that they are unredeemable, that they are unreachable, unhealable, untouchable. We attribute it to the hardness of their hearts, of their wanting nothing to do with Jesus, when in reality, for many of them, I believe that nothing could be further from the truth. They don't disbelieve Jesus. I'm not talking about all of them, but there are people out there that don't disbelieve Jesus. They just disbelieve that he would want to do anything for them. They see him as coming to help others, but not them, because they're too leprous for him to want to touch. And sadly, some have hardened their hearts because of that view that they hold of him, not because they they want to continue in their sin, but they've hardened it because they just don't think he would touch them. And in the process, they just continued to press on deeper and deeper into their sinfully leprous condition. But Jesus is still here in their midst. And oh, if they could only know what it is that he's really willing to do for them, how he's not just willing to heal them, but that he's even willing to touch them personally as he brings a cleansing to their lives, just like he's brought to our lives. You see, we were all lepers, all of us. He may not have been as vile as the last guy, but you know what? God doesn't see it that way. All sin is vile. All sin is leprosy in his eyes. But as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we were washed, but we were sanctified, but we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the moment we placed our faith in Jesus, he was willing and he reached down and he touched us and he healed us and he cleansed us of our leprosy and it's gone forever. And if only you and I could now look at unclean people in this world with the eyes of Jesus as he looked at us looking at them in the same way, regardless of how vile or unclean they might be, and offer them the same hope that we have found. Well, I'm just going to tell you, we might be truly surprised at the response by a number of them. 
My sergeant major friend is an example of that. But had I not looked at him with the eyes of Jesus, I might never have come to know that. Well, note one other thing. After healing this man, Jesus gives him this command, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. This is a hugely important command that he's giving this man. Why? Because, you see, in Leviticus 14, God had prepositioned a requirement in the Levitical law, which although those in the Old Testament era didn't fully realize all the implications at the time, it was a law that would only find fulfillment in Messiah when he would come and which would serve as evidence of his arrival. The law required that a leper who was healed was to go to the priest who would then go through a ritual not to heal the leper. You see, there was never a provision for the priests in the Old Testament to heal people. None whatsoever. <laughs> you know, there is for us as New Testament priests, we can pray for people and, and, and see them receive healing. Not in all cases, but we can take them before the Lord and watch him touch them. We can lay hands on them and see that happen. But the priests didn't have that same ability. There was no provision for the priests to, to even begin to see miraculous healings of any kind. So, so they wouldn't have realized the implications, you see. But all they had was a ritual that they could go through by which they could declare that leper clean. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.